Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Nah, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, what up, everybody? This is uh, Eric, and uh, Greg's on the line with us today. He's out of studio, but uh, he's here with us in spirit. Here in spirit and in voice. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, aka the OKS podcast in the Midwest. Head on over to, uh, you know, OKSHunter.com. We're coming at you from the OKS Hunter podcast studio. And if you find some swag or gear, hats or stickers or decals or whatever they got going on over there that you like, and if you think it's okay, you can use code Where to Hunt podcast for, or it's actually W2H podcast, sorry, for 10% off. And here at the Weird Hunt Podcast, we also are only okay at everything that we do. Literally. We can't even get an ad right. By we, I mean me. <laughs> Greg's going to F1 up. up <laughs> yes. Yeah, between the two of us, we make a hole. That's why we have each other. We really uh, balance each other out That's well right. here. Um, let's get the sponsor things out of the way and then let's you and I catch up real quick on what the hell we're doing. How about that? All right. Perfect. I'm sad Good that you're idea. not here to push my buttons. Take a look at your feet. Are you wearing gum leaf USA boots? If you said no, you gotta reevaluate some things. Each pair is handmade and tested to take over a million flexes. These boots will take just about anything you can throw at them. Use promo code W2H2020 for 10% off your final purchase at gumleafusa.com. Wake up and smell the coffee. Backwoods grind coffee, that is. Now this ain't your fancy schmancy city boy coffee. This is what your grandpappy used to drink. And lucky enough for you loaf around slack asses, they got a subscription service. Deliver any other six blends right to your door. Even a sampler. I like the fireside blend. Nice and dark. They got something to suit every one of your tastes, light to dark and everything in between. Backwoods Grind Coffee, for those who work hard and play harder. Now, I still don't have like a bumper for the, you know, the discount code. So if you like that ad and it really got your mouth watering for some good coffee, go to backwoodsgrind.com and enter in code W2H podcast for 10% off. You guessed it, 10%. It's like the Oprah Winfrey for Winfrey show. You get 10%, you get 10%, you get 10%. I've had too much coffee, Greg. Everybody gets 10%. That's right. Yeah. 
That's right. Do you want to do the the vector custom shop? I'll give you some music. Sure. I don't. If I if I don't want to, it doesn't matter. I still have to. Do, right? <laughs> yeah, you do better than me. Here right. we go. Here we go. That was setting the bar kind of high. <laughs> so if you're looking for a nice. Looking for a, a custom built to your spec type of arrow, look no further than vectorcustomshop.com. Uh, you can pretty much kind of pick a, a spine that you want and order a two-pack of them, to give them a test flight, see how they fly for you. And when you're done making your choice of what weight you want and what spine, you can order a half dozen or a full dozen and when you go to checkout at vectorcustomshop.com, use code where to hunt, and it'll save you ten percent. You did it, man. Well, I got, and it wasn't good. Yeah, but it wasn't pretty. It's okay. It's not pretty when those things kill an animal, man. They they do the job. It is not pretty. It's pretty, but you know what I mean. Like they do do it. There's some collateral damage for yeah. sure. So that's right. There's that. Um, I'm supposed to give you some shit. Coming from Byron, you really effed up my hunt last week, but uh, it kind of balances up because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't really have a hunt. So it's kind of like, Greg giveth, Greg taketh. <laughs> yeah, I kind of screwed that up for both of us, so it's fine. Yeah, I'm just giving you shit, man. Of course, it was a hard, it was a hard terrain. No, it's good. But we we got in there, all thick, like yeah, you know. Yeah, we uh, were about as subtle as a bulldozer in a china shop, so. You got to sound like a buck, you know? You got to have that big buck mentality. Right. Right. Yeah, like we know what the hell we're talking about. I tell you what, though, our guest right. our guest does. Um, on the line with us tonight is Cody DeQuisto with Lone Wolf Custom Gear, and he just got it done um, with a beautiful-looking tank of a buck. Uh, Cody, what's up? We just unmuted you. You should be here with us. All right, well, I mess around with trying to figure out how to unmute our guest. Uh, let's get into W2H. Rut Club Radio. Man, the rut is uh, not here, but it is heating up and we are getting more callers. And uh, the segment is definitely uh, kind of uh, getting into a good stride here as we get into October. So uh, we did announce our winners for Rut Club Radio on our live broadcast. So we'll be reaching out to those folks to collect addresses and uh, send out some products. For the record, Rut Club Radio goes live every Tuesday for the hunting season. That's September through December at 5.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. We run it for about a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the number of calls that we get. And when you do call into the show, um, you get entered into a chance to win some of their products. Now, to call into the show, it's really simple. Um, we do display the number on the screen for our live broadcast, which we broadcast to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, sometimes Instagram, but not always because it's kind of uh, not really meant to be broadcast to yet from a computer, but the number to call into is 262-757-4122. Now, Rock Club Radio is brought to you by Heated Hunts. If you head on over to heatedhunts.com, you can check out some of their stuff. If you don't want to call in or you haven't, or maybe you haven't won yet or whatever, and you still want to get into their stuff and their gear and their products, you can use code WHERE, the number two, the word HUNT, and you're going to get 10% off. No kickback for us. Um, for that, it's just marketing tracking purposes and you get a discount. So if you buy some of their stuff, at least they can say, Hey, someone heard us on that where to hunt podcast. So it's pretty neat. 
Um, they make heated hunt scent dispensers, so you can spray a wick with any scent that you have, whether it's one of their synthetic scents or a natural scent that you might have, and then it will heat it up. It'll travel further, more naturally, and it will uh, not freeze when it gets cold outside. So a lot of good bonus points there. We do have a number of calls that came in, so let's get through those. And then once we get done with that, um, we're going to go ahead and get into our interview with Cody DeQuisto. Cool. Here we go. Hey, man, you're live on Ruckled Radio. Can you hear me all right? It's going good. I can hear you pretty damn well. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. So, can, can you no, I'm just calling to see how you guys are doing and uh, just kind of share what was going on uh, this past weekend. Um, I went up north here in Michigan up to the uh, Manatee National Forest, and I sat around for about four hours with my boy and saw nothing. Didn't see anything, but we, we passed some fresh scrapes on our way to our blind in the morning. So we kind of had a, a good indication that there are deer in the area, but we ended up sitting around for a while and not seeing anything. But my father-in-law was about two miles away from us in his tree stand. Uh, he saw a nice eight point and really took a shot at it, but it went, yeah, I took a shot at it, but it went over his back. He didn't range it right. And he just, he just whiffed. How far was the so shot? He wasn't too happy. <laughs> Uh, he said it was about 45 to 50 yards. That's a hike of a in shot, that, dude. In that's that a, vicinity. That's a long shot, man. That's a, yeah, to me it was a far shot. I don't know if I would have taken it. I mean, even if he said it was broadside, so he couldn't really. He said he didn't want to pass it up, but, I mean, looking back on it, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't have shot it. I know I'm about uh, as good a, good a shot from about 30 yards, and that's it. I was like, we got to get you in some OKS Hunter gear and get you some heated scent dispensers all right, too. <laughs> I've got, like, all the stickers and everything, so I'm there. <laughs> That's great, man. I was wearing my OK, my uh, Wisconsin OKS Hunter sweatshirt, so maybe that that was the reason why we didn't see anything. That could be it. It's supposed to bring luck, <laughs> is what I've heard. You're supposed to get some good luck out of that? I don't know. <laughs> well, it definitely did not happen. Um, I did have a question about, like... Uh, about the rain and, and stuff like that in the morning. Cause it was, it was raining pretty good for, for a little while in the morning. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the deer, just kind of stay embedded and not really wanting to move or anything like that. I've heard mixed reviews on it, man. I actually don't I have don't a good know. answer because I've heard guys like John Eberhardt, you know, he told his memorable hunt about hunting one of the craziest blizzards he'd ever seen. And uh, he couldn't see his freaking hand in front of his face practically, but he shot a buck of a lifetime. Other people think it's great for scent uh, control. Going in after a rain tends to be good, I think. Um, I've hunted in the rain because that's just the day that I had to hunt. I didn't give a shit. But you hear stories. The one thing with bow is that it'd be hard to track um, if, if you get a you know okay shot on it, if the rain washed away your blood. So I know that could be a deterrent sure. for some. But as far as moving, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully someone listening can, can jump in here. I'm not the expert on that one by any stretch. Hey, what up, Byron? You're live on Ruck Club Radio. What's going on, bud? What is going on, Mr. Clark? We are just uh, trying to get it done, man. <laughs> you know, trying to move yes, the needle and I, get closer. Uh, yes, I uh, I was out scouting today. Um, I would say from the last couple of days, really, I've been doing a little more scouting than really hunting. Um, Buckstein seems very concentrated, and today... Oh, I was kind of poking around, found the, you know some some good rubs into this like bedding type thicket habitat. And then on my way out, I actually bumped a buck 
uh, I can see his rack, you know, uh, off some acorns midday. This is probably, we'll call it noon, one o'clock-ish. Um, so the, the winds came through Ohio today and, and dumped a lot more acorns on the ground. And uh, that buck must have just decided he was going to go have a midday snack. That's, That's awesome. Boy. So you, what do you do with that intel then? Like, are you going to try to set up near oh, his bed? Oh, full, full send tomorrow morning. All right. Good for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if he's big enough. That's the only thing. Because I only caught the, the size of the rack at, at a glimpse. Um, you know, I, I was coming down a different trail system. I just kind of seen him running. Um so, but I'll go in there and at least give it a shot, right? Like I got, I got some oh, yeah. decent intel and a visual sighting. It doesn't get much better than that. I dig it. Our last caller is a beginner hunter. He's just getting into it. A good friend of mine. Uh, we grew up here together in Wisconsin. He lives in Michigan now. Uh, he took his nine-year-old hunting with him for the first time ever. And he actually posed a question that I don't have a good answer for. I was wondering maybe you could spend a second on it. He talked about hunting in the rain. Do you have an opinion on that? Um... Is he a newer hunter and wants to take his son in the rain? I, <laughs> they did anyway. That but... doesn't sound like a great great time to me. I'm, I'm just not a huge fan of sitting in the rain. Now, right after, sure, totally awesome. Um, especially, you know, you get a rain that, that comes in and quits overnight. Go hunting the next morning for sure. Um, but, but I'm not a big proponent of sitting in the rain. Good to go. But, I mean, do you, like deer move in the rain or what? Like they... Right? They do? They don't? I don't know. I've just heard a lot of arguments about it, so it was an interesting question. Yeah, no, no, yeah. And obviously, uh, if it rains, you can still hunt better than... Than, than not. You know, because, you, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very quiet forest. So, yeah. um, there are some aspects to hunting in and around rain. But I, I'm, I'm not one to, to go sit there and get wet. I, I'll leave the truck, you know, 20, 30 minutes before it quits and, and be ready, but... I'm not, I'm not somebody for sitting in the rain for the best part. Okay. Well, dude, thanks for the call. I will be eagerly watching your story every chance I get tomorrow morning. So hopefully you'll <laughs> keep us all up to date on how that goes. Are you one of the guys uh, that like well, tease it out and be like, something happened and like just show a picture of blood? Or are you just like, I got one? Um... I'm not sure how I'd play it out, uh, but right. you'll, I mean, I would think by 8.15 Eastern, we would know if I put an arrow <laughs> uh, or if he came through and he just well, isn't big enough. I, I, like I said, it's, it's going to be the tail. If he's big enough and he comes in, great. If not, well, I'll get good buck footage for a video product. Cool. Cool, man. Well, good luck. I hope you have an encounter and I hope he's worth it, you know, um, worth letting one, right. letting one fly. Thanks for the call, man. Absolutely, and you be sure to give uh, Greg Tubbs some shit when he gets home. I, oh, I always do. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Good later. luck, guys. Thanks. Howdy, what up? You're live on Rut Club Radio. What's going on? What's happening, fellas? <laughs> What's happening? It's just me, because Greg, Greg hasn't traditionally done these uh, with me, the Rut Club Radio, but he'll be on at 730 for The Real Deal. How you doing, man? Nice. Doing good. Doing good, man. Just, uh... Heading back to the house down here. I'm I'm back in southeast Iowa for a little while. Where are you coming from? Where were you at? Uh, I actually went over to my taxidermist, old barn taxidermy, uh, located in Fort Madison, Iowa. Went and checked on them. They got their deer processing center up and going now, so that's pretty cool. And uh, this area was really needing a deer processor, like bad. Like the nearest one was like 45, 50 miles away in any direction. So, um, 
yeah so they've been they've been rocking taking in a lot of deer and uh you know it kind of makes that one-stop shop you can drop off your deer head and get your venison all in one place you know no shit we got a guy like that up here in wisconsin outdoor addiction taxidermy one-stop shop so that's yeah freaking cool to hear that yeah yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, I was surprised, you know, when I moved here uh, almost five years ago, I shot my first deer, and, and I'm like, okay, I know what taxidermist I'm taking it to, what, uh, where does that take your, take your meat to, and I wasn't set up to do my own processing or anything at that time, and they're like, oh, yes, well, it's like 55 miles away, I'm like, what? Holy shit. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So, uh, so it, it definitely filled a, filled a void. Uh, for the area and uh, and like I said it just makes sense you know what I mean it makes it super convenient for everybody you don't have to take your plate your, your stuff to two places or uh, the convenience factor you know hell yeah man but, so you yeah, have like no, the most I, uh, interesting in town yeah I was gonna say you have the most interesting Instagram profile like to follow because you, you cover so much territory so like <laughs> you're like the best yeah. one to call in for Rock Club Radio man it's great to hear from you yeah yeah no so I, I can tell you what um I can give you updates on antelope rut and elk rut. Um, oh, yeah. We'll take it. You know, as far as antelope antelope goes, you know, it's always that last, like the end of August, the beginning of September um, is when those guys are getting pretty fired up. Just when I killed mine, we were just starting to see, um, you know, some smaller, smaller goats get run off, you know, by some bigger goats. But, uh, and then in Idaho... Uh, they were really tight-lipped through, um, you know, creeping into the end of September, but right there at the very end, uh, right before I left, around the 25th, 26th, and they were starting to get, uh, they were getting getting kind of cranky, and, the, you know, the herd bull was getting more involved instead of just the satellites, you know, bugling. Then the herd bulls were starting to chime in and kind of reminding those satellite bulls, you know, who was in charge. Uh, so that was that was fun. Dude, that must have been uh, so. Greg and I are trying to do that for 2021 elk hunt. We were going to uh-huh. do Wyoming. Some shit changed, so now we're switching gears back to scoping out Colorado. We're talking to a bunch of people to try to like yep. gain some intel, you know, because we don't have boots on the ground. It's not like we're going to take any road trips or anytime soon. Um, so trying to figure out as much as we can and uh, prep ourselves. We have a good chunk of gear already. We probably need quite a bit more. Greg would, if he's if he's still listening, he's probably like rolling his eyes at yep. me right now. Um, like everyone says it's magical man like it sounds we've taught we've had a lot of elk guests on lately so we're jacked about it yeah no it's uh you know elk hunting is um it's extremely different i mean for me like i i love the mountains i love going out west i love camping um the physicality side of it all of that is right up my alley i'm still very much a novice elk hunter and um but i you know this year was just a you know every time you do something you know you learn something more you learn something more and um after the first four days we the, the you know like i said the, the elk were very tight-lipped and we weren't getting into them and and to quote myself i looked at my videographer on uh, the evening of day four and i said look dude i can take my damn bow for a hike in iowa because that's all i'm doing is I'm just taking my bow for a hike, you know, and, um, finally day five, we, we got into them and day six, we got back into them and, 
and you know i i ended up having one my best encounter was with like a 320 bull at uh, at 15 yards but i was in the middle of a pile of like choke berries and i mean even a five yard shot would have oh. deflected my arrow 15 times you know um so you know it is what it is but uh but you know definitely you know it set the hook and uh you know i was driving back from idaho i called my wife and i said as long as i'm physically able i will archery hunt elk at least two dates for the rest of my life every year wow man every single year like what'd she uh, say what did she say I, you know and, and i love white tails um what's that now what'd she say um, she, I mean, she's pissed because her birthday's in September and so is our wedding anniversary, but I mean, she knew what she was getting into whenever we linked up. So it is what it is. That's rough. That's rough. Our wedding she anniversary. signed on the dotted line. <laughs> My wife just called into the show to ask me what I wanted for, for dinner from Jimmy John's. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Jimmy John. My first caller. Yeah. No, but it's uh, it's a ton of fun. Um, I'm anxious to see how the rut goes here. You know, I don't have a lot of ground in Iowa and uh, my piece of private anyways, that I do spend the majority of my time just because of the seasons. And, you know, I can food plot and I can run more cameras and that kind of stuff. But um, my property traditionally does not heat up until Halloween. Maybe if we get a good cold front, you know, the 26th, 27th of October, then things will get a little frisky, but um, you can mark it down on a calendar, man. November 6th through November 9th. It's like somebody just dropped some Tannerite in the woods uh, on my property. And, and I'll get to see all, if there's a, if there's a mature buck in the area, I'm going to get to see him. It might be 300 yards away, but I'm going to, I'm going to see him. You're going to have to send me your address. So, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the way my the way my spot's been. Um, I've gone out a couple of times this year, you know, since October first. But a lot of does. Um, the two and three year olds are getting pretty active on the scrapes. But my big boys, I don't know. They might be laying on their bellies eating aprons or something like that right now. But they're not. Uh, they're not doing a whole bunch. But tomorrow morning, I'm actually last minute decision. I'm going to head back down to Kentucky. I've oh. got a couple of free days. So sweet. I'm going to head back down to Kentucky and jump in a tree down there and uh, see if I can fill that tag. Uh, very limited. Again, it seems like every time I go there, I'm limited. But I've got a couple of days, so I thought, what the hell? It's only eight hours. I might as well try it. So go down there and see if I can uh, fill that tag. And then, um, yeah, then I'm going to come back and um, head to Kansas the last week of uh, the last week of October. Um that way win lose or draw i know that i'm back in iowa by by november one and um yeah then you know pound pound the rut here pretty hard. let us know if you ever end up here in wisconsin i don't know if you ever got tags up here but man we'd be happy to you know link up and do some collaborative hunt or something i know a lot of properties yeah. i'm not saying they're any good yeah. um but there's certain ones that i'd be happy to share <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure it's uh you know it's funny uh this year between Kentucky, Kansas, and Iowa, uh, that gives me four archery buck tags. Um, and, you know, I started out the year uh, with with four turkey tags, 
and two Western tags. Okay. Um, I filled, you know, I filled all four of my turkey tags, and I and I filled uh, one of my two Western tags. So, yeah, we're gonna see if we can try to fill these four whitetail buck tags. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes, man. It's just, it's weird making that transition, though. You know, I was very nomadic in the turkey world, and then I was very nomadic in my Western hunts. And then it feels weird because now everything's just in a tree stand. So uh, it's kind of a, it's like a hard transition that uh, it almost feels like I'm not doing something. Like I should be doing more, but it's nature of the beast to climb a tree and sit, you know. Yeah, you got to get your time in, man. That's the big thing. There's no substitute for time in, and you just got to, so you got so you got times you can put it in there, right? You just got to deal with it and sit through the elements and and wait your turn more or less. And you, you can be aggressive in certain ways, and you can be smart about how you putting the pieces together and making moves. Mm-hmm. But you know, some guys they'll they'll tag out right away. You know, the early season stuff is pretty fascinating. Some of the, some of the guys that have these deer patterned and they get in an intercept of you know yeah. bed to bed to food, and it's awesome. You know, that is not me this yeah. year. Uh, yeah, and you only I mean, have so many opportunities, right? Yeah. If Iowa opened up September 1, I'm very convinced that I could have been tagged out um, within the first sit or two. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of deer extremely patterned, uh, target deer that were patterned. And, um, you know, once they once they went hard horned, they do it every year. They go hard horned and it's like 45 days. It's like a ghost town. Um, so I don't know where they go. Maybe that would make me a better hunter if I knew exactly where they went, but, uh, but I don't know where they go. So what I elect to do every year is instead of beating feet for 45 days and putting a lot of unnecessary pressure on trying to relocate them, I know where they're going to end up in November. And I let my cell cams do the work. You know, the only time I go on the property is maybe freshen up a few scrapes here or there. Um, you know, a lot of my rut stands are hung. I mean, I keep five mobile run and gun sets, you know, here at the house. Um, if I need to throw a stand and if I really like it, then I'll leave it, you know, and that way I don't have to tear it back down. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll get super aggressive starting November. Um, but it's kind of like the balls in their court. I need one more clue. The, yeah, that's a good way to put it. The next time they volley one back to me, yep. then I'll react to that. Until like that. then, it's just it's in my best interest just to chill. Rock on. Well, Wolf, we're, we're happy to follow along, man. I mean, the stuff you put out is top-notch. The quality is great. Love it. Love following along. I uh, appreciate it. So it's good stuff. My daughter, my yeah, daughter loves no, watching all that stuff on, on the TV, too. So you got but you guys are my are my, my main outlet, so I always always like checking out all the fresh memes you're throwing up. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, we just put some up from Shit's Creek. <laughs> yeah, stupid yeah, man, yeah, that's yeah. funny. I was watching it, and I was like, oh yeah. man, I could use this, and then I went and found it, right. and I was like, this is pretty good. So I don't know. It, sometimes it just clicks, and sometimes I'm reaching for it, you know, like uh, whatever. But try, well, yeah, that's how yeah. it goes. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into our full interview with Cody and uh, see if I end up uh, unmuting him here. Nope, nope, I didn't unmute him. Oh, my God. Here we go. All right, Cody, my bad. You're officially unmuted. talking to himself. (laughs) I didn't know if that was a test. How's it going, guys? (laughs) Here at Stereotype uh, Hunting Podcast, we we fuck with our guests. (laughs) Uh, 
So, welcome to the show, man. This is a place where, you know, we set the bar pretty low, so there's no need to impress, that's for sure. No, it's good to be on, man. It's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming. Um, we met at the yeah. Madison Deer and Turkey Expo like two-ish years ago or something, like for two seconds. And then we crossed paths a couple times uh, at some different events and things like that and stayed in touch on Instagram and text, and here we are, you know? Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it um a lot of times it a lot of times it takes a it takes a perfect storm, man, to, to wrangle it all in and get get sit down. But I'm glad uh, I'm glad I finally got on with you and looking forward to shooting you a little bit about some white stuff. Rock on. Well, let's start by just I mean, you know, I think most folks know about you um, or who you are or something like that. Maybe just take a second and uh, tell us what you do for Lone Wolf Custom Gear. How you kind of got into that. Um, you know, like what your role is and, and a little bit more about you too. Anything else that's uh, interesting? Like, I think it's really interesting that you wear flannels when you hunt. I love that. So, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Dude, I'm just a, I'm just a dude passionate about whitetail hunting, man. That's when it comes down to it, that's, that's what I am. That's what I've always been. Um, it's just, man, it's the, it's the best thing out there, man. It's, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing better. And all the guys who hunt, all the bow hunters, all the, I mean, you know what I'm talking about—the highs, the lows. It's just, it's just crazy, man. Um, but I do, I do design, development work, sales, marketing. I, I do. I wear a lot of different hats in the custom gear company. Um, Lone Wolf is a family brand. It always has been since 1984 when it was started uh, by my old man, um, <clears throat> right in the garage in the backyard. So it's cool to take that um, now after so many years of his original designs. Uh, coming out with something completely new and innovative and uh, just flipping the tree stand market on its face a little bit. So it's, um, it's cool. But the, the idea behind the brand and the products is it's just, you know, they're, they're products that are truly designed to get the job done in the fashion in which like we hunt, which is extremely aggressive and extremely mobile. So, um, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. That's a good nutshell, man. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been, if you've been following yeah. along and like, look, man, I, I think a lot of people could benefit from your product without even going into all the details yet. But you know, I joke and I say, Greg knows the model of my tree scent. So is my dad. My dad gave it to me and now Greg gave me one to use. Uh, and I think it's <clears throat> an older lone wolf, right? Greg, the alpha something. Correct. It's, yeah, it's an alpha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not an alpha person. Right. Uh, but I have this older one. It's like the Cadillac. It's like this giant square brick on your back. It's a dude. It's not a Cadillac. It's a Yugo. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what is it? What is it? What's the model, Greg? I'm so not technical. I don't know anything. Yugo. They come from Ukraine made out of recycled, uh, chewing gum wrappers. Oh my God. (laughs) You son of a gun. I'm going to keep ripping on you for that thing. <laughs> you know, but it, you know, uh, it gets the job done, you, but it, you, you got to API. Yeah. That's what it is. An API from like, you know, 19 fucking circa 50. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but dude, like it, it's, um, you just, you just kind of appreciate all the technology after using something like that. It's heavy. It's loud. It's clunky. It's not easy to set up. Like there's, 
not much good about it other than when you get it set up and you're on it, it's big. You're like, wow, you could like, you know, there's a lot of room for activities. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 one thing if you're looking to do other activities other than hunt up there in the tree, but the uh yeah, yeah, the, the concept always behind you know, uh, lone wolf from, from back in the day. And then even the custom gear now is just, I mean, like getting the job done, man. Uh, the most efficient, effective, uh, system you can have, you know, and, and now we've, we've truly, I think, um, you know, it's always been, they've always been great products, but what I describe the products now as now they are a great system. So even, even with how great, um, the climbing sticks were with how great the tree stand was with how, how just, I guess, truly amazing it was in its simplistic design. It wasn't quite a system. I mean, it worked as a system, but it wasn't a very efficient system. And now it is now the stand integrates directly with the sticks. It carries your gear. It is a truly, it's truly a system and just the low profile, the lightweight it's for somebody who is talking in deep, or moving a lot. I mean, you could be hunting. Don't get me wrong. You could be hunting five, ten acres, and this thing could be your your jam, you know. Um, but it is also very good for those guys who, you know, the stand never leaves their back. It comes down with them every day, and they're they're hiking hiking way deep into you know public access grounds or and stuff like that. So it's just a uh, you know a good system. I mean, that's um, I'm surprised that it took this long for someone, and the fact that you guys did it to come up with a system. I mean, Greg, you have a system approach in how you do things and how you pack stuff up, but it's not an integrated system. It wasn't designed to all work together. You had to DIY the shit out of it and you've done a good job, but when it's built with the end in mind and the system is all integrated, it's totally different. And Greg managed to get out of the tree, out of the swamp to a certain spot, dropped his gear, came back in, found me, all before I had my stand on my back. And the longest thing where I spent the most, most, most time was stacking my effing sticks. I shit you not. This isn't even like a joke. I'm like, which way does it go? Does it go this way? Does it go that way? And I'm getting like, you know, like frustrated, but I'm like, you know what? This is it. This is just how I, this is how it goes for me. Like I'm a total goof out there and I figured it out. And Greg's like, Hey, I'm this way. I'm like, yeah, dude, I haven't moved yet. Like, don't worry. I know exactly where I am. I'm not lost. I haven't, I haven't moved. This is still the same tree I freaking set up in five hours ago. So I can see how this could make uh, yeah, a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we, we might have to, we might have to here pretty soon. But, uh... You don't know how bad I have it because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty like my, my uh, well, mom's maiden last name is ending in Owski. So like, I really am Polish. I make everything really difficult. Dude, it, it, it's funny because, you know, coming from somebody on the completely opposite end of the spectrum. So like me, everything I've ever known has been lone wolf. Right. So, um, I mean, you can, you can bet that I, I haven't experienced the worst of the worst as far as the, um, you know, I guess, the bad stands, heavy stands, just difficult stands out there. Um, but in a sense, you know, so my, my platform and my scale for development and like to, to make something better was the best. So it's like, you know, uh, I'm grateful for that because I'm sitting here and I'm modding and I'm tweaking a stand that is already great that most people don't even think about. Cause they're like, Oh man, this, this is the best stand out there. Well, it's all I ever knew. And 
through the course of hunting years and years and years um, and just, you know, developing my own specific style and where I like to hunt and how I like to go about things and scout and my, and I'm a very weird, like kind of OCD ish type person with, with almost, you know, like a systematic approach to a lot of things and like my routine individual. So like those little idiosyncrasies kind of, um, you know, kind of grabbed hold and, and informed some of these, some of these ideas and in that for the actual system. And, and it's funny because, um, you know, I've said it a few times, but a lot of people who knew me, like even years ago before we launched custom gears would always see what I was hunting with. And they're like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's my, yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my ring. That's my stand. And they're like, what the, what is it? And it was like a, it, it was like this, this, and actually Byron, I think dubbed it like the coolest. And he was like, Oh, it's a Frankenstein. And it was just like this, old original uh platform from the 90s that dad did and it was it was a modified xlp i-beam and it was like this custom seat that i made and it was sticks that did something freaking crazy like you know sort of like what we have now but and the intention was to always like i never even intended to bring it to the market at first it was just like my rig it was my setup it's how i liked it and i had thought about it but this was years ago too when i didn't think the tree stand was ready for anything you know price point orientated because um we all know how the you know majority of our, our tree stand demographic uh you know customer is not going to pay premium price for a tree stand i mean we've long often always been a niche market it's always been you know appealing to those guys who were very very serious about the sport who were just engulfed in it and needed you know uh needed better gear and wouldn't satisfy with the uh, or wouldn't wouldn't put up with the other stuff but Going back to where I started, I did. I was hunting a lease a few years back, and, um, man, you know, I didn't have my setup. I left it in the tree, and I needed to move, and, and I was like, you know what? Or I needed to hang a stand for the next day, or it was something like that. And I, my buddy was like, oh, I got some sticks. Uh, I got some sticks and a stand over at the house. Like, or, you know, you can go grab them. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And I'm just thinking they're a lone wolf stand and sticks. <laughs> like, I just, in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course they got to be. And well, I get there, and man, I don't know what they were, um, but I will tell you this: it was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> I was walking, I, I was literally walking through cattails, and these freaking sticks were like pinging, like like the 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 cattails are hitting them, and they're just like pinging, and I got straps hanging, and they're clanging against each other, and they're these big hoop designs, and and I'm just like, fuck this, you know, and I didn't, I didn't even mess, I, I turned around and went back i didn't even put up in the tree so that's, that's how i feel i've gotten on but... most of my hunts <laughs> like dude <laughs> i mean like i actually didn't have a tree stand for like the last six years or something or five years because like i was like f it dude like i'll i'll come on the ground like i don't need this thing on my back this is ridiculous and yeah. greg comes along he's like oh man you got it my dad too my dad's like he always hunts out of a stand and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it again, and, and now here I am, and I'm, you know, I, that's how I started, and I, I loved it, and I missed it, but it was even worse back then. I had these single L hooks that you strapped onto a tree with like a, um, a slip knot for every rung. So I had this big little like military backpack, and it had all these things in there, and I would put one boot in and then do the other one, one boot and do the other one, one boot, do it. like, dude, it was, uh, it was a real struggle bus. Especially when it was like negative fifteen degrees and the rope was like stuck together. Oh yeah. So like, I uh, man, there's a reason I'm the okay hunter, man. The struggle's real, oh, man. Uh huh. 
And then come along the climbing sticks. I, I was like, my dad got me the lone wolf climbing sticks. I still have them. And I'm like, wait, so you strap one of these to a tree and you get three steps out of it? I was like, my mind literally was blown. I was like, wait, I don't have to do like three steps for three steps? Crazy. And so here we are today, right? And I'm like yeah. drooling over your technology, actually. Yeah, it, it, it came along, man. I mean, I, you know, everything's came a long way, I think, since, since back then. But if you look at the original designs, they really were ahead of their time. Uh, it was just it, it's kind of weird to you know, where to look back at and see that sort of technology in, in a, in an industry or market that was like so barbaric, like it, like it really was, I mean, with plywood and just huge, heavy steel welded, uh, graded stands and stuff and chained. Uh, and then to see something like, you know, just out of this, uh, this, this, you know, crazy casted material that's ultra lightweight and these, you know, these nylon cam straps and it's just, uh, and then like, the invention of the, you know, the first invention of the climbing stick. Like, you know, there wasn't a climbing stick before Lone Wolf came out with, I think it was like a, and back then it was a longer one. It was like, I think dad's first model in the nineties was like a, I don't know, maybe like a 36 inch stick or something. And it was just, and it was, and it was a little bit more barbaric at that point in time, but just like, just the concept of like, Oh man, here's like this almost like section of ladder that you just strap to a tree and you can like, you know, go to a different chunk of a tree. You can like, put it on something crooked. It was just, just crazy to see them all over the time, you know, what we well, now you now. have the cable later, right? Like that, look at what that's done. I was like, whoa, whoa, my mind's blown again. Like, yeah. shut the F up because that first step is always the hardest. But no, wait, here's something. But it's like you guys are like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> every every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in a lot of this stuff too. It's like, it, it's almost, even like the camera arm, it, it's just, it's something that's been there, but nothing's been done with it. Like, uh, I mean, I remember talking, so many people are like, man, how long have you been working on this camera arm? And they're like, man, well, like, where did this come from? And and I, sh- I take out my phone, I show them pictures of like, so I remember dad and I, so back, back in like 2005, dad, um, uh, he released the, and I remember I, cause I, that was my, I, I used to build a bunch of those. I used to work, um, me and my buddies all actually worked at the at the assembly warehouse and um, in 2005 we started selling a camera arm and it was the, it was the strong arm. And that was like right when people start, like when self filming became a thing for hunting, people were using big GL twos and like, it was just a, you know, it, it was, it was coming on the scene. So it was the camera arm that was released and it was awesome, man. It was, I mean, for what was out there, it was lightweight, whatever. Nobody was doing anything. Can't, there wasn't, there was no camera arm companies really. I mean, as far as like, you know, marketing for the self filmer. There was big, heavy, gaudy things. But so anyway, well, like literally, probably a year or two after that, Dad and I, one night we chopped our arms up, and like we both started messing around with, you know, with, with this idea of of like a, a stud contact point, and like essentially we just were cutting it or just cutting and on a on an old strong arm, and then you know I did some some advancements to mine where it actually twisted back and folded in itself. And, and now, so, so look at that. So 2007, since 2007, we've been running those arms and they have, they were ultra light, ultra low profile. Like, and it's pretty much what you see now, except not the fancy cutouts. And it was just with tubing and with one casting at the base. So it's like, you know, even if something like that, we would have, you know, taken a market that, that many years ago, it could have just, been way ahead of his time as well and it's the same thing like with even the aiders and it, it's it's 
most of the time, the simplest designs that are the best. Um, and that goes across the board, I think, with, with everything. Everything that's not, some So many people overcomplicate things, and, and I think that's a big problem with, um, I guess, just innovation in general. Yeah, man, I would have to agree with that. You know, I, I went through a startup incubator earlier this year before shit hit the fan with everything. And you know, there's a lot of how they tried to teach us through some of our product design for like some of the things everyone was coming to the, to the table with and trying to go to market with. And then even like on the presentation side, it's like simplify, simplify, simplify. Don't over explain it. You don't need to. You just got to do enough to get everyone's attention. And, and we looked at a lot of uh, good examples of what that could look like. And, and you definitely are, you know, fitting that profile of something that's really simple. It makes sense. It, it definitely fits the need and um, meets people where they are, man. It's like. Like you said, you really have the end user in mind here for sure. <clears throat> yeah. And, and that's a big thing too. I think that not a lot of people, like there's, you know, when you look at like the, when you look at the game, I guess, if you, if you want to call it that <clears throat> so many of the higher ups, I mean, th- there's not a whole lot of hunters at the helm of these companies. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad to say, but like, and not that people don't hunt, but like, you know, when I'm just, no, dude, there's not a lot of venture capital. Example, there's but... not an, there's not a lot of people that have deep pockets that give companies money that there there's very, very few, if any. Like, sorry, I don't hunt. Like, sorry, I don't hunt. Sorry, I don't hunt. Oh, I do hiking, but I don't hunt, you know, and, and trying to find that well, <laughs> someone that understands it. It's, it's, tough. It's, one of those, it's one of those things where you got a company that, you know, may not when they're when you when you're trying to design something It'd be like, be like calling me. I'm like, Hey Cody, I need you to design a golf club. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, okay. Um, right. That's a good know, point. I, actually, I I'll try my best, but like, you know, it's like, I'm not golfing every day, you know? Like, so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can see, you can see product design from people who actually use their products and who design them for other people who are going to use them exactly how they're intended. Yeah. And, and that's always been the process. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, these, these designs and these ideas started out just to be used. Like just, and that's, and that's product led growth, personally. man. That's, that's like you, you, you could do marketing and that's gas on the fire, so to speak, but you already got the fire started and it's already blazing, man. It'll continue to feed itself. Product led growth is not easy to achieve. Very few have done it. I was just talking to Vector Custom Shop about this, man. They've got product led growth. Like they've created such a good product that people want it, period. They can do no marketing and be word of mouth and they would be fine. Of course, if they want to continue to expand and reach new people, they can do some marketing on top of that and it's a better outcome. But, you know, you could have a piece of shit and you could try to spray paint it all pretty gold and market the hell out of it. But at the end of the day, if it sucks, it sucks. You know, the market will tell yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different, you know, it's definitely a different way to look at things, you know, I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. I love that. Right. And we're also, we're also in a point where guys want better gear, but be it, you know, the heavy arrows, you know, this is a big, heavy arrows are a big thing all of a sudden again. So that's where Vector's doing so well. Um, we can't definitely take credit for my, my awesome uh, advertising skills, um, but too, being, being, being a mobile hunter, um, everybody's looking to try and get lighter weight, you know, more functionality or the same amount of functionality, lighter weight. So, yep. and if they're willing, willing to pay the, the price for it, it's there, it's available. And you, you're always doing little tweaks here and there. I've noticed it from even when you first came out with the 1.0 and now you've, you know, done a few upgrades to the 1.0 and 
know, you're doing it, you're, you're working with the point five. It's all, it's all relative. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's just never want to just be, you know, it's important to keep, keep moving, you know, I mean, if, if you can innovate, if you can upgrade something, make it a little bit better, do it, you know, no, it's the right, it's the right mentality. Well, let's, um, dude, can we talk about the buck that you got? People are asking about yeah, in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Public land, and what state? You don't got to give us all the details about the where, but certainly, um, paint the picture, man. Set the, set the scene for us. So, yeah, so this is a, um, this is a farm, uh, out of state in Illinois that, that I've hunted for quite some time. Um, I have not stepped foot on that farm since last year. November, I believe. Um, I don't typically like the properties that I hunt. I, I, you, you will not see me there ever if I'm not, if I'm not hunting, like I just won't be there. I, I just, uh, I don't, I don't do food plots. I don't really run cameras. I don't spend any time there. I just, I let the deer be. And that's kind of my mentality. Even, even at my home farm, like, you know, uh, I'm right, right on there. And, and I just, I don't know. It's just, it's it's the way I've always done things. So, um, but I am familiar with the ground, um, you know, from hunting it in the past, I got, got a general idea of, you know, what deer do, how, how they move a little bit. But as I started, you know, kind of like tips and stuff that I, I try and post, I just, I really try and throw all that out the window and approach every piece as it's a new piece. And if I go, you know, so I, I hunt that piece, literally like I would hunt a piece of public in Alabama if I went there. Like I just, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. Um, it's all going to be the same kind of, I guess, strategy. So you're, you're, that's pretty cool. Go ahead, Greg. You beat me to it. I was just going to say, that's pretty cool because now you're not obsessing over one particular buck. You're, you're going there and if it gets your heart pumping and it, you see this animal for the first time ever, or maybe the second time because, you know, he skirted you the day before, but now you go, yep. Okay. I got your number. I'm going to move over there. But it's, it's great. The fact that you're seeing this critter and you're going, yep, this is awesome. I like this animal. I'm shooting them. You hit on the head a little bit too, because it's, and I got a lot of people that don't, they don't understand where I'm coming from with the, with the camera thing or, or like where I guess I'm at in, hunting and it's like the the unknown excites me um and you know for for a guy who a lot of times i know this is kind of the opposite you know know, preach uh, of this this podcast in particular but like for a lot of for a lot of years i mean inches man i mean it's like okay like you know you know trophy hunting i'm okay i'm looking for you know passing up this deer passing up that deer and I always like had that in my mind. I think it's just the way that I grew up because seeing, you know, um, like coming up surrounded by big deer and just that being a thing that I was subjected to constantly. And dad, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, dad in, in, is all about age and joys hunting as much as the next guy, but his personal goal for his entire life, or I mean, you know, ever since he started killing deer and deer, was to kill a new typical world record. And that's his goal. You know, that was his thing. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, a boon and crack, it was the only thing that would really excite him. So like, you know, coming up in that, in that, you know, being like immersed in that, I never had 
I never knew anything but that. So it immediately kind of, you know, I guess went that direction for me and, um, and to where it's still, like, I, I still strive for, for, for high scoring deer for sure. I mean, it's not the only thing that matters to me, but it's definitely the, it's definitely the chase, but it makes the chase and it makes the chase that much harder when you start to up your bar on an inch standpoint. Um, and depending on where you are and what you're chasing, but coming back to, to where it started on this, and because of that, it's like now for a while there, I mean, there I've never been serious about technology and hunting. Actually, I've never been serious about technology in general. I would consider myself up until a few years ago like a straight-up old soul, like literally living in the past, like, like, like not even wanting to acknowledge the fact that like, technology and social media and all this stuff has became so big like it almost kind of upset me like even even cell phones and the internet and like i mean it's not i'm going off on a tangent here but like it's just it's kind of the way the way i was and um and i've adapted more to it now but i I always was like you know i just thought it was better back then like oh man when, when you know you couldn't just pick up a pick up a phone and find out anything you wanted to know or you know you couldn't just you know, it was just, it was a different, different time and, and, and whatnot. But when the, where I'm going with this is, is, is like trail cameras and then like, okay, knowing what you have on a farm and then like, uh, or thinking, you know, what you have on a farm. Cause I think, I know trail cameras are a downfall of a lot of people. They, they do give people an idea. They let people take inventory. They like, you know, give you an idea of, of what's there, what you want to shoot, what you want to let grow, what's old, what's not. But so many people are letting these camera like it's this evolution of technology has taken out what I love about hunting. My, what, when I go out there, what I am trying to do, I am trying to play the game. I'm trying to problem solve. I am trying to figure out a wild animal. And then, you know, I mean, and, and, and let the hunt begin. Not like, you know, so the introduction of all this technology um, like, you know, even in trail cameras are one thing and then like cell cameras bumps it up to a whole nother freaking ball game. It's like, now you got some piece of equipment you can go toss in the woods or you don't even have to go look in the woods. You don't even, I mean, literally I've hunted farms where guys had, you know, bunch of, bunch of cell cameras up and, and it was like, nobody did anything, but just wait around on the cell cameras. Um, and that's just not how I, I, I just, I don't know. It's I like, never, it's like tip up fishing like from a that. cabin, you know, with binoculars up. Now I'll run out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, 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 I don't know. It's like I said, I'm not bashing anybody for what they're doing. I'm just saying that's where I come about it. Or that's where I come from. So, like, when I did run trail cameras or when I do run trail cameras, it, like, I'll, I'll typically run maybe three a year, right? And I'll set them out just to get a little bit of inventory just to kind of see, like, you know, I, I want to find that deer that I'm looking to go after. And that's typically the, um, but I found in years past too, that like not getting that Intel would affect how I hunt. And also getting Intel would greatly affect how, the way I hunted and not, I hunt no better. Like, or I, I mean like the best I, I hunt and I know from trial and error is when I know nothing because then I have to go find it out. And that's what, that's where I'm coming at. And, and the unknown excites me. It's like, I, I, I don't know what's there. And I'm just there to find, I'm, I'm, the mission is to find out and to find a good buck. And like you said, Greg, um, when you, like when you see that buck and he fires you up and you have no pre, you can't reference a picture, you can't reference, um, you know, anything. You're like, you're seeing them, you're judging them, 
and you're you're going in, you're either shooting them or you're you're passing them or whatever. It's just it's a whole different experience, whole different feeling. It's funny because up until I met Greg, I have not touched a trail cam in the woods, and it's not not so uh, purist as your approach. Uh, it's more just like it's just another thing for me to mess. It's like if I'm buying a car, I'd rather buy the manual windows, manual transmission, manual locks. It's less shit to go wrong. It's less for me to mess around with and putts around with and dick around with and like have a problem with. So for me, like no trail cam sounds great. Cause I don't got to go do weird shit in the woods. However, I will say like hunting with Greg and the, the trail cams that him and I have set up and mostly him, um, it definitely gets like the excitement going once you start seeing stuff and knowing that there's some big one on, you know, out in daylight, et cetera. Um, and it can help. Yeah, it can help too. But then also like, I mean, it, it can be, it can be detrimental. Like, you know, and guys do this can't prime example, guys get a can a picture of, of, you know, this big one that showed up and then and that's I'm it. infatuated with this spot. Yeah. And then they think like, okay, I got hundred deer in this spot. I got the trail camera picture on this spot or, or they don't get a trail camera picture. And realistically, that freaking slammer is scraping a tree right behind your freaking cell camera. And you don't know because that's all you're doing is looking at your camera. And it's just, so, I mean, and there's people I know, per, I know people personally who utilize cameras. And I mean, frick, I mean, like they do it right. They don't let, they, they use those cameras as additional tools. They take the information with a grain of salt and they're phenomenal hunters and get it done every year. And that's the way to go about it. But the reality is not many people can, you know, kind of hold that. It, it's just, it's hard to not do. And cause I do it. When I run cameras, I start to think about shit differently. Oh, dude, it's like to, Frodo put on you know, the fucking ring, you know, out. it's like you put on the ring and it's like, Oh man, that power, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we yeah. do have a caller. Um, we do have a caller. I think, um, they have a question. Hey, Anthony, you're live on the podcast with uh, Cody DeQuisto, me and Greg. Uh, sounds like you got a question about scouting for Cody. What's up? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, turning me on here. I guess in a non-sexual way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy. But uh, oh, yeah, no, this is fantastic. Uh, this is going great right now. Sorry. Um, so, Cody, you mentioned earlier you like when you go to a property the only time you're there is when you're on there, right? Yep. But there's gotta be some kind of like setup time or, or years where you, where you've worked on it and kind of figured it out. And then after that, it sounds like for a lot of people that I talk to, they spend a few years working on it, scouting it, figuring it out. And then after that, they just never go in until they're ready to hunt. Are you that same way? Or do you no. literally just like kind of go in blind? All the time. Yep, no, I, I, yeah, I'm not that way at all. So, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. This particular property, like I said, I did, I did know, um, from hunting it for years. So like that's that case with that property, but that's not the case with, with any, like if, if you were to invite me over to your farm and we were to go hunt, you know, uh, let's say it's July and you're like, Hey, you want to come hunt with me in September? And, okay. And Hey, you want to come trim lanes in July and, and run some cameras? And I'd say, no. I'll see you. Uh, when is the season open? Uh, September fifteenth. Okay, I will see you September fourteenth, and I'm ready to hunt the fifteenth. Like that. That's just how. That's how I do it. Um, I actually prefer not knowing the property. Kind of. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll look if I'm researching a property specifically. I'll do a little bit of, or I'll do some. Obviously, look at area. I'll look at the area to make sure I want to 
punt that piece, but like if it's something that somebody's gonna like invite me to, or like somebody just gonna get a lead, and I know there's a good buck there, like no, I'm I'm just I'm going in when I can hunt because um, I just yeah I, I like to go in blind um, and just figure the stuff out because the stuff changes all the time. Uh, now you will find out there's, or I mean I do find out um, there, there's always there's always good spots that are always gonna be good spots, right? But those yeah. are few and far between. And you can actually burn those out too. So if you have a mentality of just constantly figuring out what is going on, what the deer are doing at all times of year, you're never going to lose because you're, then you're not getting married to one spot. You're not thinking overthinking things and you're just, it's just, it's natural, man. You start moving and you start, you know, um, getting after it. Sure. Okay, cool. No, that was my question, man. I, I feel like a lot of people, spend a few years prepping and then and then after they figure it out that's when they really get in trouble with those trail cameras right and they're like oh, yeah, i just and, want to know yep. i just want to know it's like well you yeah. already know just stay out exactly yep and, and that's the thing too i mean there's yeah the, the trail cameras i think get a little bit more popular with people who have ground have leases hunt them for a few years they're trying to more so raise deer or like you know or manage deer to for them to get bigger and older um yeah and yeah, so that, that can definitely become more of a, more of a, uh, a thing with those type of properties. But, um, but now that trail cameras are so readily available and they're so easy to get, and now there's cell plans for so cheap and there's linking cameras and there's cameras that freaking I mean, just got a magic wand in them and have stereo dust. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's cameras for everything, right? And you can get them anywhere right. right now. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, with public pieces and whatnot. And it's just, and they can be a good tool. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're, if, if you're going to hunt a couple thousand acres of public ground and you got 10 cameras and you're going to go hang those 10 cameras on one side and then hunt the other side. And I mean, yeah, there's definitely, definitely awesome strategic ways to use cameras for sure. Um, that can help you out. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Thanks Anthony. Question. I don't want to take up too much of everyone yeah, else's time. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Have a good night, bud. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Red. You got it, bud. Hey, buddy. So there's uh, a couple other comments that came through that had some questions. Awesome, quick. We'll just burn through them faster, I think. Um, one of our friends, Jeff, asked uh, about using, like, a tent to set up. He called it a, a cargo tent, I believe. Um, he said he may have saw something on, like, your Instagram where you were using something like that. Do you have any opinions or advice about that? Uh, a tent? Um like for sleeping, you mean? Small cargo trail Had to, to camp out of. Headed, yeah. Oh, the trailer? There you go. That's it. Yeah, my trailer? Yep, yep, yeah, yep. No, yeah, so, so, um, yeah, so I, back when I was like 16, I took a, it's like a 12-foot uh, square front, like just, just a cargo trail. Yeah, it, it, it looks like a piece of shift on the outside, which <laughs> is intended. Um, and uh, I just redid the inside. Like I, I built like a little kitchen up front, and I got you know, a nice, uh, nice cot in there with a good sleeping bag. And I got a little heater. Um, uh, and I got it rigged up to where I can just, I can snag a one pin plug anywhere and I can just run the whole thing. Like I could park that thing in a Casey's and just creep on their power or something. Um, and, and that's, and that's what I kind of did when I was traveling around, uh, earlier on. Um, I, I used to stay in a tent a little bit too, but this thing was just so awesome because it was like, I mean, it's just nice. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything extremely crazy to it, but I do still take that to my, on my out of state hunts. I don't like to 
have to pay for hotels. I don't want to get bed bugs like Greg did. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I, I don't want to get in those. I don't want to get in those positions. So um, it's nice that I take that. I just drop it wherever I'm going on property. Um, I used to take it to Kansas. I take it to Missouri. Take it to Illinois. I just. Um, it's just cool. So like that. I mean, Taylor advantage for something like that too. You can just literally park it right at whatever piece of ground you're hunting, or keep. You can even keep it hooked up to. Keep it hooked up to your vehicle and just fucking pop back there and, and crash, you know? So um, That's pretty that's cool, a, man. Yeah, it's a good tactical advantage, I think. One of our listeners, so I'll ask one more and we'll, we'll move on a little bit. Uh, one of our listeners, Jack, asked uh, if there's anything in particular you're looking at going in blind on an aerial map. Are you trying to hone in on bedding, food, water, uh, what's catching your eye? Aerial map? So I'm, if I was looking at a new piece, I would probably... Uh, yeah, I would probably look at where I thought. It depends if my it depends if my first hit was going to be an evening or a morning. Um, I would definitely want to get somewhere to where I would be hunting over something that, somewhere I think they were eating. Or um, in the evening, I would like typically just go in, not look at anything per se. I might have a few like inklings in my mind about it. It really all depends on the on the piece of ground. If it's solid timber, if it's ag country, if it's hedgerows, if it's it would all change, but like on an evening, I would typically kind of just ease my way in and, and set up at the first spot that I, I thought looked good. On a morning, I would try and focus a little bit more on where I thought bedding would be. And sometimes you can be completely, completely wrong uh, when, when you think about that. But that's what's nice about having like uh, uh, a nice mobile setup and just being being able to move. You can just pop down and move to a new spot late morning. So um, I, I just, yeah, it, it, it's tough because it just changes so, so often. So if you have a true mobile system, then then that's a great yeah. way to approach. If you have a then mobile setup like my dumbass, then good luck clanking yeah. your ass down the tree. Yeah. All right, this is a pretty good spot. Take a quick break for the shot of the week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Head over to VectorCustomShop.com. And browse around, buy yourself a test pack of two arrows for a starter. Uh, when you go to purchase that, put it in your cart, you're going to ask all sorts of questions about your bow setup, your draw length, weight, um, single cam, double cam, you know, what type of game are you hunting, what's your style of hunting. And, uh, you know, when you put all that information into their system, um, they're able to kind of configure your arrow build for you. And that's what they do. They make arrows built to your specifications. Every order is built for you specifically. It's like arrows built <laughs> for every individual customer. It's a big deal. It's something that really isn't done elsewhere. It's a lot of work for them. Um, but the end result for the consumer is fantastic. You, know, you can kind of you can kind of skip the archery shop. Not say that uh, going there is a bad thing by any stretch. It's just you know sometimes you might not have time. Um, and these show up at your door configured the way that they're meant to for your setup. And these are heavy arrows. So uh, vectorcustomshop.com, use code where the number two, the word hunt, and you're going to save 10%. Please use our code, save yourself some money. Um, it's a good deal. You know, again, we don't get a kickback on that. It's just a way for them to track their marketing purposes or marketing, um, you know, whatever they're doing for marketing purposes. Kind of weird word. Anyway, for the shot of the week this week, um, I didn't grab a story from anybody, but, you know, speaking of things falling down the tree, um, I can't remember if I shared this shot of the week or not, but I was in the Nicolay National Forest, my first ever archery hunt, and um, you know, I got into my stand, and you know, I just, I just gotten into my stand, like 
I wasn't fully even set up. Uh, I just had pulled my bow up and, um, you know, heard these footsteps coming right down the same exact trail I walked on. This is like a, a logging trail, right? And so I just assumed it was, you know, some hunters, the way they were tranching through the leaves. And it was peak fall, so lots of leaves, very pretty. And it was two bucks. They weren't big, but it was like, I don't know, probably two six-pointers or something like that. I was young, and uh, I was like, holy crap, you know, here we go. And so I knocked an arrow, and, um, you know, I, I my bow was upside down. <laughs> so I had to, like, rotate my whole bow, and I did it, like, as smoothly as I could. And the deer had stopped. Both of them had stopped and, like, took a piss right in front of me. And I could have honestly, like, if I placed a shot right, I probably could have got two bucks with one shot. They were, like, stopped right there, both broadside. And um, then I went to draw back, and I had put my release on um, my string, but I put it above like the, the stopper. Right. And so that sucked pretty bad. Um, so I went zoop, all the way up the, the string. And by the time I actually got all my, you know, crap together here and was able to draw back these, they were an unethical shot. They were within range quartering away, not doable. So I, you know, let the, I let the arrow down and that was it. That was, uh, my uh, story for the not shot of the week. Um, yeah, but those are lessons that are hard learned, and I've made a point now ever since that hunt a long, long time ago um, to knock an arrow right away. Make sure my bow isn't upside down, and uh, now I have like a D-loop or whatever, so I don't have that other problem that I had before. But anyway, that's our shot of the week this week. Go ahead and, and uh, be sure, again, to check out Vector Custom Shop, see what those guys have going on. Great products, great people. They're a Wisconsin-based company. That's what we're out of, so we love promoting them. And uh, let's get back into our interview. Yeah. Well, the Greg's made my life a little bit better, I must say. Anyway, um, man, we, so Anthony's call came in and then two more questions. I don't remember specifically where we had left off and I apologize. I don't know if either of you had a, a mind bookmark for that. Um, we, uh, let's see, we were talking about, did a lot of trail camera talk. Um, That's what I, know you, I know you mentioned, um, I was trying to think, you, you asked me a couple questions early off and I couldn't remember what they what they were, but, oh, flannel. Um, you, yeah, you, you mentioned something about that, um, or, or camel versus, uh, versus. I just like it, man. I just like it. I, a you yellow know, jumpsuit. you know, I had, so my first ever <laughs> podcast was in like 2013 or 14 with Jared Scheffler. And he had said on that podcast, and I was so fucking nervous, man. I was so nervous. And he's like, you know, I used to, care so much about the right camouflage, the tree stand, the camera, everything would be just perfect. The spot bomb and I'd sit and I'd wait and I'd wait and nothing would happen. Right. And then one day my freaking car broke down. I stopped on the side road to fix it. It wasn't going well. Shit wasn't getting fixed. He said, F it. I'm grabbing my bow. I smelled like gasoline and oil. I was wearing jeans and like a white t-shirt or something like that. I can go back and listen to the episode. And he went in the woods and he didn't, he didn't seal the deal on that hunt, but he had an opportunity at like one of the biggest bucks at that point in time that he'd ever seen. And he's like, it was at that moment when I realized you don't have to have this fancy truck, you know, all this gear, all this stuff. You just got to go make it happen. And that was like, what a great first episode, right? Because this is like episode 156 or something or 157. And so we've come quite a ways since then. And, um, yeah, you know, you are out there yeah, proving that that's not, that's not what you need. You know, you don't, I like that you're doing it through your actions. Yeah, yeah, you're. I mean, and and what he said is on point, man. I mean, if you got the, if you have the, it's just like you look at success stories, man, and just people who you know might have been dealt a bad rap. Like, dude, if you got, 
if you've got to drive, you're going to get it done, man. You don't need to go stun a bunch of stuff. You don't need to do all that. But, um, I mean, specifically for me, I mean, with the, on the, on the camel front, it's just like, I used to, I used to learn a lot of camel too. And I'm, I mean, like, and then I really, you know, now coming up, I, I always did a mixture of, um, cause I've always wore just kind of, kind of shitty clothes actually. Um, just, well, not necessarily shitty, but just dated old stuff, you know, stuff that I'd like from the old man, you know, coming up over the years and like, just, just old, like solid wool and like, um, you know, some layering vests and a lot of wool actually, but heavy cotton. And, um, and then I'd like, you know, I'd usually mix that with some camel. And then I, I got into this point uh, of time where like, now hats off to the camel companies. Cause like what they've done and the money that they're making, Oh my God. Like it, it is just, I mean, like that's a, that's a, a feat in themselves, but as far as needing that stuff for, for in the timber, like you, I, I firmly believe you are actually at a disadvantage with that shit on sometimes it is so it is so complex and so like like so many contrasting colors that like you back up and a lot of times like you look like solid black up there um and you know it's depending on where you're at and what you're wearing i mean there's so many different kinds but you know i i came to the realization too that it's it's all a money-making scheme i mean it just it, it really is i mean there's you know, to, to blend in, you do not need an expensive pattern of, of, of clothing. Uh, you know, what I found too, is like, I would like, like some of the best clothes, clothes that I've used to wear hunting over years and years and years were like just good clothes. Like, like Carhartt. I used to work, I used, I hunted out of Carhartt bibs, the solid brown bibs that I actually, the same bibs that I worked on a forklift dock on in the winter. And like, I hunted out of those same bibs and they were warm as shit. And that's why I hunted out of them. And I, you know, it was those bibs and like a, and like an arborist green, like heavy, heavy, heavyweight hoodie. And that was like, that was like six straight years of just annihilating whitetails and, 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 you know, and just, um, just bibs and a, a hoodie, no camel whatsoever. So I always knew, you know, I didn't need camo. And then I just grabbed a team. I, I, and then one year I was just like, you know, what? I'm freaking, I'm not messing with this. There's so much drama. I think I did a, I did a catalog shot and I threw some real tree on and I had, you know, you know, and then, Oh, what about this? Like, I thought you work with Mossy Oak. And like, dude, I'm just, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm done with, I'm, I'm over the politics. I'm over the, the, the patterns, the brands. I'm just, I wear clothes that I like that are comfortable that I think look good in the timber. And, um, you know, I, I wear a lot of flannel. It's comfortable, man. <laughs> you got to be comfortable. Like comfortable, like breeds yeah. a lot of confidence. To be quite honest, if you're not comfortable in something, it's a freaking problem for starters. I will say that the warming layers are important, Greg. I still haven't pulled the trigger financially on the merino wool. It's gonna happen. I think just because I haven't yeah, bought. I mean, I'm still wearing Wally Marino, Wally brand shit, definitely. dude. I still have Walmart camouflage like jean pants. I still have Walmart like you know, long johns and, uh, you know, I'm not actually pulling up for anything legitimate for, from that standpoint. And I think beyond that, I really don't care. I have like a, some fleet farm generic branded, you know, jacket or whatever, but you're getting out. If you're, yeah, you can, I mean, you don't need to have shit. If you're getting out there and working for it, I mean, it's, uh, that's what's going to make the difference. I mean, I, well, as soon as I ditched the Carhartt bib, because I didn't like the whole bib anymore, it was just too big and bulky, I went to insulated Wrangler jeans. 
and oh, I was literally hunting so in insulated Wrangler jeans for the next five years. Like, you know, and, and it's just, and then, then that's when I got real jacked. They came out with those Wrangler jeans in camo. And then I was like, oh shit, I can, I, like, these are my, these are my favorite jeans. And these are literally like denim jeans. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like, what, flannel on the inside, right? What's that? I, I remember like there's jeans that have like actual flannel on the inside. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's what these were. Now they discontinued that's them. What these they used to, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen them in years. What the fuck? We gotta, we gotta like lobby yeah, together, you guys. All... We gotta figure this out. <laughs> I just, I just had, I just gave two pairs away to my godson. I had two pairs. I, oh. they, they weren't quite worn out yet, but lucky like, boy. Well, he could, he needed something warm, and I hooked him up with two pairs of Wrangler, yeah, Wrangler dude, jeans that had the, the flannel lining in them. Yeah, th- those are nice too because you know that that. That, uh, that denim blocks the, or that jean material, canvas, whatever the hell you want to call it, is a bit of wind blocker. I mean, you got that warmth inside. They were awesome for years. I hung around those. And, um, you know, it's just, and now I will say this though, man, what I can't do without nowadays, this damn flex they're putting in clothing. So, oh, talk, that's dude, the best. I don't care. If you ain't accepting it, you're living in the past because, like, dude, the mobility you got with this shit is just... It, it, Dude, I've ripped you know, so many it, pants in the crotch from mostly stepping over baby gates in my house, but, like, the occasional yeah, trying yeah. to reach out without a cable later, like, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good shit. That's funny, man. Well, dude, tell us... Um, if you if you want to, like, if you thought about it, if we planted the seed and it's grown, like, I would love... You specifically, your most memorable hunt. I'm real curious to hear that story. And, and the way this works, by okay. the way, we don't say a word, so we're here, but we're we're just we're just tuning into your story because what we'll do with this is we put it into our most memorable hunts, which we'll, we'll film score and make it sound real beautiful and everything. So you just uh, you okay. tell your story, man. We'll bring it to okay. life later. Oh, this is a tough one, man. Um, I, you know, I, I have to say. Man, I got a lot of memorable hunts, like very memorable, but I can't overlook the first whitetail harvest just because the fact, just because of the fact that I think that is what turned me on to this, you know, the, the thrill of the chase and just this, this passion. So it would have to be my first, first ever hunt, um, or not first ever hunt, first ever, I guess, harvest of a, you know, whitetail buck and, um, yeah. And how, how, I guess my, my supposed to get like in depth with the story or just give you like a brief, brief overview. Well, however you want to do it, man, you can go as in detail as you'd like. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess just to make a, you know, to kind of summarize, I mean, it was just young kid getting into it was more so, I mean, I think there's a fine line at that time, whether you, you know, really push a kid to, to work hard or just get them that experience to like, kind of I guess push him off into that that passion for the rest of his life but I remember specifically grinding it out and it was cold and the deer weren't moving I think this was like maybe December and I hadn't had time to hunt with school or whatever so like you know we got pushed in there to late season right so there wasn't some there wasn't any crazy run activity going on like there you know a lot of the bigger bucks were kind of you know at bay or whatever, but I remember, and, and I can't remember how the duration of this hunt or this, this track or this quest, um, could have been, a could have been maybe like four or five days. And then this had been maybe like the, the fourth four or five day trip. And I'm just like, as, as a, 
as like a 14, 15 year old kid, I'm just like, Oh man, I'm freaking like, what the hell? Where the hell are the deer, man? This sucks. Um, like this is a grind. This is, this is a pain in the ass. Like I'm cold. I, I'm done with this. And I remember thinking that. And I remember dad just, I mean, we just kept going out, kept grabbing my ass out of bed, kept dragging me out there, kept, you know, just to, just to put me in there and put me in the experience. And, and when it all finally came together, and I mean, there was a lot of, there was some, there was some, um, some, some good experiences, some bad, you know, you get your hopes up and then you get let down and then you even hate it more. You're like, God, you know what? I'm done with this. And when it all came together, man, I remember it's a, it's a, it's a moment that I'll never forget. And we were sitting on a hardwood ridge and he was right over my shoulder. He was filming. And I think in the sun was, I mean, it was just a crystal clear morning. I mean, cold. Uh, and I, the sun was breaking through them hardwoods and there must've been a doe that came in late or something. And this doe popped up out of nowhere from down the bottom and comes, comes just kind of jetting up this ridge. And I'm thinking like, Oh man, where the hell is she going? What the hell is she doing? And then I can just, you know, I can hear that over my, my shoulder, you know, kind of notifying me. I'm looking down and I see this buck just, I mean, just on or coming up from the bottom and he's coming right up this trail. And I mean, literally the sun's coming through the trees. He's coming up, he's coming right down this trail and I come to full draw and he almost, um, and I shot him right on the walk at like 12 yards and he mule kicks and just the, like seeing that air. I, I remember that deer mule kicking and me literally seeing blood spell from him like instantly. Like it was, it was a liver shot and, um, just the overall feeling knowing that I finally got it done. And like in that split second, the, the entire grind was worth it. It was like, and then, you know, that sealed the deal for me, man. And just, you know, being there, it's the old man right there. And just first deer, it was just, it was really cool, man. That was, that was probably my most memorable hunt. That's like everything a memorable hunt is filled with, man. You got all the, all the elements there, having your dad there with you and <clears throat> having that feeling of getting it done, him reading the script. I mean, the whole, the whole nine, even the way you described the scene yeah, on the right. ridge and the, and the sunlight coming through beautiful. Yeah. And I, I think, I think too, it's just, it's one of those things where like, that's, that's the only, the only hunt or the only kill I've ever had with like actually being in the stand with somebody. It's the only, the only one. Um, and it was the first one. And then right after that, I was just kind of ready to, I was like, no, no, I know what I, <laughs> I gotta got to do. Um, and let me, let me, let me, let me take off. But so I think that'll hold a, you know, hold a special spot there for, you can't forget the one that gets you hooked, you know? It's just. No, no, you can't forget the first one, right? That's like a thing with all sorts of things in life. First car, first, you know what, and like, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Mine was a, a shotgun to the neck on a on a spike buck. And, you know, it was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I remember it very vividly. You know, my dad was there. He came, he was getting down for lunch, and so was I. And then the deer decided to come around the same ridge I was trying to leave out of. And I was like, wait a second. That's not how it's supposed to go. I guess I'll shoot you. You know, like it was, it was great. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Close shot with a freaking slug, man. man. It was, uh, wow. I see a deer do a couple rolls. That's one way to get him to roll over. <laughs> uh, Dude, the next shots are lethal, man. It was, yeah, not by, it was not on purpose. It was just me not being a great marksman <laughs> at that age. Um, Dan asked a question in the comments. He said, you and your dad always kill the best deer early season. Are you, he's asking, are those deer still in their summer patterns? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, and like, you know, to the point where I don't know if necessarily, like I said, cause I, I typically just kind of go in there. I, I, um, I don't know if they've been doing that for any sort of amount of time. I just kind of start to creep in and find out what's going on, what they're, um, you know, what's going on at that. So it depends on where you're hunting too. So I think like, you know, on a September opener, you're going to find a lot more deer, a lot more bucks doing what they've been doing in late August, maybe into early September. I know that. So for instance, this year, right. Um, like even in like Iowa now, when I, I'll open, like we've had some unseasonably cold temps and I mean, there's not a leaf on, there wasn't a leaf on the beans on October 1st. I mean, they're, they're just, it, it depends, man, that the, uh, you got to roll with the punches. I've also hunted. So where I was hunting this past weekend, uh, where I killed, uh, that buck, it was, it got down to 35 in the morning and it was like high of 45, like just prime conditions. Um, and in years past, I've hunted there in, into October 25th, and it's been 90 degrees with 90% humidity sometimes, you know. So, I mean, it, it, it literally always changes, like, you know, and, and depending on uh, shit. A couple of years ago, I actually, um, I hit a, a big one in the leg. It was a, just a, a major screw up. And that was actually, we had, like, we had snow that stuck on October 8th. It was like, it was like, you know, I mean, it was like Santa Claus came, man. It was like the best gift in the world. And, and, um, it just got them bucks fired up. And so it just changes. It's just tough, man. You just got to get out there find out where you don't get caught up on, on summer patterns, winter patterns. If, if you, if you know a deer hits a food source in winter, like it, and, but the signs, the signs telling you he's hitting it now and it's, and it's summer, like it, don't let it, don't let it affect what you're doing. Just look at what's going on hunt there don't think about the past don't think about summer don't think about seasons don't do anything just take every situation for what it is yeah you were on our tactic talk a couple weeks ago and um you talked about like look just don't overthink stuff man i mean that seems to be yeah um kind of your approach to stuff i like it you seem to be really good at living in the present with what you're doing and taking the intel at hand and making some decisions with it you mentioned like you like to go out there and do the problem solving yourself and not let the you actually said trail cam and you said it in such a way it rolled off the tongue it sounded like you said betrayal cam. <laughs> I feel like that should be a hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the betrayal no, that, cam get you, good. you know, like seriously. That's good. Um, I like that. It's a, it's a cool approach. Yeah. And Greg and I, we're, we're trying to, um, I'm following his lead by and large, but, you know, I have a lot of knowledge up here that I'm trying to put into practice that I haven't like deployed yet. So, you know, the real learning comes when you do those things in the field and you see what the hell happens. And I've been doing oh, that. Oh, dude, that, that. It's yep. fun, man. Yep. It's fun when the light bulbs start to turn on. And Greg and I, the two of us, I think, like, I don't know, Greg, we're <laughs> we're getting there, man. I'm really, I'm really excited and enthused. I've said, you know, for the last six, nine it months, sure that, does not just, feel like we're getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but it does because we're we're, uh, we're like lear- we're learning so much practical knowledge by doing it, and it's. Yeah. It's really, it's like the most exciting season, man. From that perspective alone, I could see nothing, but I know that I'm trying really freaking hard. So, and, and trying see, to and try thing, smartly. Man. Every, every season, every sit, every deer, every situation, like it just gets stored in the bank. I yeah. mean, and, and the people who are really successful, I think are the people with, with a drive to do better and the people who have experienced a shit ton of stuff. I mean, like, like, you know, there's, I, I can just think about like so many 
you know, even my, my close quarter hunting, like, so I'm just, I'm like, I'm obsessed with getting as close as I possibly can with, to these deer. Like just like the, the intimacy factor. Like, I mean, like do nothing, nothing is a better feeling than having a deer come in of that. Like whatever caliber you're looking for, whatever freaking shakes you up, having a deer that big at eye level, like eight to 10 yards away and even closer, like, dude, you are, once you've experienced that, and you've out like you've literally pulled the wool over his eyes and you like there's no going back i, I firmly believe that that's like it's, so there's you know, a you know, oh go ahead dude i'm so good at interrupting my bad no keep no no keep no keep going <laughs> there's this term so i i uh you know i went to college later in life i was 25 I went back to school and i you know i went to like a local community college um but i took like some philosophy courses and this isn't too far off the beaten path here of our conversation but there's a term that i learned called eudaimonia and I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's like, it's about like when you, you get so good at something, it's like breathing. And it, I think the example they compared to in school was like a carpenter. When you just know your yeah. craft so well, it's like the most fulfilling, intrinsically rewarding thing you can do. And there's a couple hunters, man, that you can tell that's their shit. That's what they do. They have eudaimonia, right? It's like a thing you try to aspire to get by getting really good yeah, that's, at something. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cool, man. And it sounds like that's a little bit of what you have going on here, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, sometimes, um, it's, it's just one of those things where like, I, I've always said like, you know, when talking to people, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just persistent, man. I mean, I'm just, but I'm also, I'm also constantly picking things apart and I'm just, I have, I have a process, I have a system, but when you've done it enough, and you get into it and you know what you want and you're confident about it. Like when I do, when I go in half the time, it's like, I, I know it's over. And and that's a big thing. And I don't think people can re- realize that. And, but to have that, you got to know, and you got to know, you know, and, and when you do, I mean, there's, there's nothing that, there's nothing that stops you at that point. So that's cool. Cause it's I know about, that I, I'm not to the point where I would know that I know. And I, I might yeah, be in it and it, I wouldn't it know that. Weird, so like, but, that's a uh, thing. You yep. know? I mean, that's why I know I have a long way to go. Yeah. I have a lot of self-awareness. I know that I am not where I want to be by yeah, any stretch. We, uh, but that's what keeps me we going. We have what's called... You- go ahead, Greg. No, never mind. It was a funny thing I was going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> you're, you're on a roll. Oh, no, I had nothing. I was just trying to drink some scotch. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got uh, eudaimonia. We've got eudiarrhea. So you're going to keep working. That's good. Uh that's good. Well, dude, thanks for being uh, on the show, man. I don't know. Let's like, obviously people that are tuning into this uh, podcast, you know, have a good clue and good concept of like where they need to be going. But like, do we have to tell people where should they get in touch? How do they find you? Where do they go to buy your gear, et cetera, et cetera? Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, if you want to look at anything that Lone Wolf Custom Gear has to offer, uh, go to the website, www.lonewolfcustomgear.com. Uh, you can look at all the products. Um, we have videos on there. You can also check them out on their Instagram, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, uh, and Facebook. Uh, we like to post, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of product stuff orientated there as well. On a, on another aspect, if you want a little bit more detailed look at like how, um, you know, I utilize the products, you know, what I use, you can check out my uh, personal Instagram. It's just Cody underscore DeQuisto. Um, what I started doing this year, uh, I got a lot of requests from people over the years and they really wanted to see kind of more real time live, uh, uh, you know, in season type 
my decision-making processes, my hunts, whatever. So I just, I got kind of, and I'm not a videographer by any means. I'm just, I'm just a freaking, just a dude like that likes to hunt. So I, I got a camera and I've just been trying to take it everywhere and document this stuff. So on the first hunt, you know, I, I, I did my best those, those three days. I just, I pounded it and I filmed a lot. So if you want to follow me, follow along, get some tips, uh, just see what the hell's going on. You can find it there on my stories and, um, yeah, come follow. Cool, dude. Bonus question. How much are you bench pressing? <laughs> How much? Have, so man, in, in my, in my day, I haven't, it's been so long since I've maxed on a bench press, but bench was probably my strongest point. And I, I hit four Oh five, uh, when I was at my strongest and I was weighing like two fifteen at the time though. So I was heavy right now. I could probably put up Maybe three seventy five, but I'm I'm only weighing about one eighty. That's impressive, man. That's impressive. I love the bench press. I love it, love it, love it. Um, but you know, it's a good exercise. It's ebbs and flows, man. I go into like I'm a freaking beast, and then I like get all motivated, and then like you know, up comes a plate of nachos and a Packer game, and then like six months later, I'm all chubby again. So it just goes back yeah. and forth, man. The pendulum swings, dude. It's a grind. Yeah, the consistency with the gym, the the hardest part is just you got it is just showing up and if you can get your ass to the gym, like you you then you're there, you might as well do something with it, right? That's kind of how I see it anyway. Um Yeah, yeah, it's 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 persistence with that, man. Persistence over time equals success. I love it. So that's, that's great. Consistency. Dude, cuz that's over time that's a uh, my, my god. I got posts about that shit. Consistency uh I say consistency creates momentum, momentum creates opportunity and it's a circle that goes and feeds itself, right? Um, just don't know what those opportunities yeah. are going to be, but I, that's great, man. Wow. How about that? Little, little life philosophies there. Uh, well, cool. Hey, we're going to end yeah. the live, the live broadcast. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Those that commented and called, et cetera. Like we appreciate it a whole bunch. Leave us a review, a rating, all that good stuff. Go check out lonewolfcustomgear.com. Um, I'm sure there's something you can get yourself into there. Even if it's just the, the, um, you guys got that tape too, right? Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. Silent touch tape. That's what it, thank you. I'm like, shit, get to the website, Eric, find the tape, man. Uh, thank you for bailing me out. All right, cool. <laughs> Everybody have a great night and uh, we'll get this thing produced and into podcast land uh, soon. All right, the tip of the week. Look, the tip of the week is brought to you by Deer Vane. Head on over to DeerVane.com. That is our good friend, Anthony Heller. Uh, he's actually one of our callers that called in and asked a great question for Cody. So thanks, Anthony, for the call. And uh, he's a bit busy doing his own podcast this evening, and he's got a great guest and a strong lineup. Um, he's been grinding really hard on that, so putting out some really great content. Please check out his stuff too, DeerVane.com. They have a great YouTube channel also. Look, so I'll be doing the tip this week. I haven't done one in a while, and mine always tend to be more philosophical rather than practical. And so my tip of the week this week uh, is really more so around um, kind of what we talked about with Cody in applying things that you were learning. So I guess the the tip, I'll try to make it practical-ish. Um, and I don't have to make it too practical. We do run tactic talk. So if you want some really practical hunting advice, take it from the experts on that show segment that we do. But for this, um, try to take something you learn from any podcast. I'm, you know, I'm sure you listen to plenty of them. Um, and try to apply it in the field and see what happens. Like start to apply the things you're learning. I, for the longest time was learning all this stuff and, you know, I, I was like, oh, this is so cool to know this, but then I wasn't like using it. So now I'm 
actively asking the question, how can we, I'm saying move the needle, how can we bridge the gap, how can we tighten it up? What did we learn from today's hunt that we can take from all of the podcasting that we've done? And where are the learnings there and how do we apply it so we can get closer? And I guess so I'm, you know, giving a tip that I'm trying to, you know, take and take my own advice here, but pick one thing for each hunt that you can apply. And that is the tip of the week. So whatever it is you're listening to in podcast land or on YouTube or wherever you're getting um, your content, maybe that's a magazine, I don't know. Um, try to find something and apply it. And if you do one thing per hunt, I mean, that's that's a pretty big course correction. That is a atomic change that can change the trajectory of your season pretty, not quickly, but it'll feel quickly if it actually comes to fruition. So um, you can learn a lot more once you put it into practice and into play and actually execute. The learnings from that are much stronger. So anyway, that's what I got uh, for the tip of the week. In terms of housekeeping stuff, uh, we you know recently ran our giveaway. Uh, so we'll be gearing up for the next one in December. If you haven't signed up for our monthly Patreon subscription, that's how you get entered into the giveaways. And there's a tab on our website, wheretohuntapp.com, where you can click on giveaways. And when you do register, you're going to get a koozie and a sticker. Um, so nothing like earth shattering, but it's pretty neat. And if you sign up for the like, you know, double up package, I think we're going to throw in a decal, um, like, you know, like a, a vital decal for like, you know, your window or something like that. So that's what we have going on with that. Tactic talks are great. We have another great uh, great guest coming up this week. Uh, our memorable hunts are really, I, I just really enjoy them. Obviously heard Cody's story. So we'll publish that as a memorable hunt later on. Um, should be a ton of fun. And man, I don't know. I think that's all I have for the moment. You know, we had some pretty big ambitions for the app, but we migrated our total, our whole infrastructure, our backend infrastructure in the cloud and rebuilt that whole thing. And so uh, since we had done that, it you know, changed how we're doing some things on the front end. So, uh, you know, lofty visions and goals are certainly haven't given up on anything. We'll uh, be excited to announce stuff once we have more of a tighter timeline on that. So I don't miss set expectations there, but the app functions great. It is a one trick pony. As I say, it helps you identify occupied and unoccupied hunting land by seeing where other hunters are that occupy that similar space. So kind of an interesting concept, but uh, it's been useful. There's a lot of people on there actually right now um, throughout the season. I've been seeing a lot of activity on the app. So kind of cool. Check it out. Where2huntapp.com. You can download it for free on iOS and uh, Google. So anyway, that's what I have for everybody this week. I'm probably missing a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, uh, stories to share for the most memorable hunt, story to share for the shot of the week, um, hit us up on our social channels or our email. You can email me at eric at where2huntapp.com and I'll be happy to reply. Thanks everybody. Have a great week and I'm bubbling.